Hello and welcome to Griffith School of ICT Conversation Bites. I'm Tessa. Join me on this podcast as we get to know some of the passionate and talented people in our ICT community. In our first conversation, we meet with Dr. David Tuffley, a Senior Lecturer in Applied Ethics and Cybersecurity at Griffith School of ICT. Let's start right at the beginning. How long have you been at Griffith and what brought you here? Well, I, I actually go all the way back to the beginning. I was an inaugural student at this university when it opened its doors in 1975. I had finished school and I was wondering what to do with myself and uh, well Griffith Uni was a possibility no one had ever heard of it and uh, we drove out here me me and my mum one day one weekend and we had a look and well there wasn't very much here there were only about three or four buildings in sitting in the middle of the the bush on a hot afternoon and we thought "Mm," but it's got potential so I ended up coming and uh, enrolled in a uh, Bachelor of Science Uh, but I didn't stay beyond the first year I have to say but the people I met in that first year have been my lifetime friends. Uh, I married one of them, we've been happily married now for nearly 40 years and uh, at least half a dozen others that I met you know I'm still in regular contact with so But I I left after that first year and I didn't come back until uh, about 1999 and I was looking to do some postgraduate work. I I was working in the IT industry and I wanted to upskill so that I could, you know, get paid more, I suppose. (laughs) That uh, is nice, yes. (laughs) And I looked around, I looked at UQ, I looked at QUT, I looked at Griffith, and um, Griffith came through as being the the standout option, uh, and so I came back and was very glad to have. So how would you describe what you do now to someone who you've just met? Okay, well, people do ask me this question, and I, I say to them that I teach ethics to IT students. And there's a long pause and they almost always say, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose they would need to have ethics IT people, wouldn't they? And I said, yes, because, you know, they have great power. They can do things with their, their technology skills that could uh, have an impact on the world. So we try to give them a moral compass. Uh, we don't assume that they aren't already ethical. We start off believing they are. But we give them a set of tools to deal with ethical dilemmas that come up in the course of the job. And the IT industry has got all sorts of issues that, you know, can be called ethical. Oh, certainly, yeah. And I've been doing that course since uh, about 2003, so nearly 20 years doing the course. Hmm. Well, has it changed a lot over those years? Yes, it has. Back then, hardly anybody thought ethics was you know, necessary for IT people to, but we did, you know, and the the school said, well, we need to have a course like this. The ACS weren't requiring it yet. Um, nobody was talking about it. It was always considered to be a bit of a tack on type thing. But over those years, the 20 years, the perception of ethics in IT and more generally has really expanded and people now see a lot of value in the whole area of ethics. So 
It's changed a lot and the, the ACS have got a real interest in this of any of the courses we teach here in this school. Uh, it's one of the ones that they look most closely at to make sure that you know, we're teaching them everything that they think we need to be teaching them. So, yeah, yeah it's changed quite a bit. Yeah. For those of us who don't know, um, could you give us a quick wrap-up on what the ACS, what role oh, yes. they play in, in our school? Yes, the ACS, or the Australian Computer Society, is the professional body for the IT industry. And they need to certify or accredit our programs huge amount of our life and society revolves around technology whether it be making or using or any part of that a lot of us rely on it in yeah. a lot of ways so yeah definitely super important to be in that space but what are you passionate about is it is it ethics that like really really gets you going or is there <laughs> any other kind of space that yeah well it's related to ethics i mean ethics has to be practical and uh, my job title is, uh, is that I'm a, a lecturer in applied ethics. So it's really talking about what is practical to do in society. And what I'm most interested in is, broadly speaking, the impact of technology on people, on society, on communities, on individuals. And basically, we want to make sure, I want to make sure that people are properly informed about technology because there's a lot of misinformation and scare tactics um, floating around, I think maybe because almost every science fiction story that's ever been written has been a dystopian story about technology ganging up on us and, and us having to deal with rogue AI and robots that want to kill us and so forth. So I want to dispel those sorts of and hopefully to give people some sort of idea of how they can best engage with technology. Yeah, I think you touched on this um, a moment ago, but we might dig into it a bit more. What mm. would you say is the biggest misconception of, of this field? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, me personally, I think that there's a lot of worry uh, that artificial intelligence is going to make everybody redundant and that people of, uh, you know, who were born in the last 20, 30 years are going to find themselves out of a job or unable to get a job. But um, the reality is that AI is only going to take those jobs that initially at least that are dirty, are dangerous, are remote, that employers have trouble finding people prepared to do it. They're already being automated. But there are certain jobs, people think that if a job can be automated, or in other words, if it could be described as a process, then it will be automated. But that's not the case. There's lots of jobs that involve person-to-person -person dealings, and that will always be done by people because that's what the world wants. You know, if you go to the doctor, you don't want to be talking to a robot, you want to human being sitting over there who empathizes and you know all of that so there's a lot of misconceptions about what sort of impact AI is going to have on on uh, employment 
and on the world generally. It's nice to have a bit of hope and to see that there's actually another side to that coin, that there are some opportunities there. It's not just about removing jobs, but maybe changing some jobs and making it so that you can do more. What excites you most about that whole space? Yeah, well, I am super excited about the coming decades uh, and what what technology is going to uh, enable us to do. Mainly, I guess, I'm just really excited to think about what artificial intelligence, what AI is going to be like in the coming years. I want to get to a point where I can have a conversation with an AI and it is almost as good as talking to a real person. And I think that that day is not far off. What, what do you see the application for, for these assistants that can, I guess, speak and interact in a very human way? What, what's the application for those? There's going to be uh, no real limit to that. In just about every situation that requires some sort of interpersonal uh, contact, then it will fill that, that role. So, for example, there is employment, so uh, essentially maybe a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor. They can all have, just about any profession, could have an AI helper mm. that helps them, that participates in what they do and offers expert advice. So a doctor might have an AI, like Dr. Watson, the IBM thing, that has read 10 million you know, medical yeah. journal articles, far more than any one human could possibly assimilate. Uh, and if they've got that knowledge and they've got the person's genome sequenced, then they're in a position to prescribe targeted, sp- specific, treatments for, you know, that will be much more effective. You know, in aviation, there will be um, autopilots that can fly the plane from start to finish that the human pilot is not needed. But I hasten to add, I think the human pilot will still be required and there because I don't think the travelling public is quite ready for no. um, you know, <laughs> nobody up the shop. <laughs> yes. And that's yeah, that's kind of um, the area that I'm I'm looking at for my PhD is uh, looking uh, at um, that technology in the in the cockpit yes. and how that human and machine team can come together yes. to hopefully fly the plane. Yes good. Yeah, yeah, better than better than alone. Yeah, staying yeah. in the air when it's supposed to be and gently coming to the ground <laughs> when it's supposed to. That's, that's, that's what right. we're going for. <laughs> but it's really interesting that you kind of bring up that through all of that, you've still got the human in the yep. loop there. You've still yes. got them very involved. And um, I guess how how do you see that in, in our society? Do, as humans, are we ready for AI to kind of be the core person there or do we want the people to yeah. be there? Well, I, I'm personally, I think, I'm of the opinion that people will always want other people uh, involved primarily in the process, but that, that person can be aided in any number of ways by the technology. 
it's good to see that it's being helpful mm. in, in a good sense and in a hopeful sense. It makes you feel a bit better after seeing some yeah. of the Reass- alternatives. Reassuring, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. It's reassuring. To put this in, in a bit more perspective, where was AI five years ago? Yeah, I think five years ago, well, obviously things have moved along a lot mm. since then. Uh, it it wasn't hugely different. I mean, I think what we see today is a, a, a much more elaborated advancement of what was around five years ago. There's a continuous, you know, it's a continuous development. I think I think it's true to say that the pace of development in AI research is going to become exponential in the coming years. Uh, and I think that's partly because the AI themselves will be able to assist in the process to, to, to shorten the sort of development times. In terms of ethics and AI, there does need to be very clearly defined ethics. Mm. And, uh, well, that, there's been a lot of effort put into this and it's, it's the case that AI is being developed, for the, the great majority anyway, is being developed ethically. But not every country in the world has signed up for this, and so there are some nations, rogue nations, who are developing it for perhaps not such very good purposes. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying there's no risk here. There is, but I think it's a manageable risk. We humans are very good at managing risk. <laughs> You know, we've got dangerous technology. We've always had it ever since we invented fire. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, we just have to figure out how to use it safely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so like, so over the past five years, I guess there's been a lot of, I guess, getting the ball rolling Mm -hmm. with AI and how it's going to impact and be um, integrated with society in a lot of ways from weaponry and warfare to health and um, even just everyday assistance like we've seen the rise of Siri and um, Alexa and all those kind of things as well. So if someone wanted to go into this space as a career, Mm -hmm. what kind of projects, what kind of careers, what kind of jobs are in the AI space? Oh wow. There is a, a a big, big shortage of AI qualified people. Apparently, I heard that if you've got a PhD in AI or in machine learning, uh, you can pick and choose who you work for, and you know you'll be getting a very healthy six-figure salary. Um, and location-wise, well, obviously there's going to be options in the US, in in every country, including Australia, that is active in AI research. And increasingly, research is becoming commercialised. It's it's going from being hypothetical and theoretical to being, well, yes, there's the science, but does it work? And can we sell it? Can, can we make products that people will buy that has been um, made smart and so this is what I see happening <clears throat> increasingly in the coming years not just five years but maybe 10 15 20 and onwards is that I think AI is going to be a lot like electricity was a hundred years ago before electricity everything had to be done manually or you had a horse or you know something like that 
when electricity was invented, then all sorts of labour-saving devices were uh, invented and sold. So washing machines and refrigerators and, and water pumps and you name it. Um, and this created a huge industry, like a manufacturing industry around electrified appliances of all sorts, hundreds of different things. So that was a revolution. And I think AI is going to be a bit like that. That's going to create massive jobs in the future uh, of companies, startup companies that are making things that are AI enabled. And we, we don't know what those things are yet. Mm. You know, if we, could, if we could envisage them, we'd probably make a lot of money. <laughs> but, uh, you know, smart, creative people will have a bright idea and think, yes, I'll do this. And so I think we're set to sort of see another wave of industry centred around artificial intelligence. I, I can yeah. really see that yeah. coming and down the track. And plenty of opportunities yeah. for people who want to get involved, especially, yep. you know, if you've done that bit of extra study and, and gone to your honours, gone to your master's, yes. gone to your PhD. Yeah. Lots of really exciting opportunities yeah. for people who are interested in that space. That's right. Awesome. And it, it's a job that'll never be made redundant because, mm. you know, it's you're inventing the future <laughs> if you're doing <laughs> yes. that. And someone's, someone's got to look after the machines, yes. so absolutely. What has been the biggest hurdle for you to overcome in your career? I suppose one of the hardest things to do in this job, I would say, is uh, persuading IT people that it's good to study ethics because mm. it does actually have quite good practical applications, but those applications aren't all that obvious you know when you're coming in as a as an undergraduate and you think oh this course i get this like this comment all the time it's i didn't expect to enjoy this course i just thought it would be you know they came in with a negative perception and some of them do a 180 degree and say they really enjoyed it and and others just you know did the course and yeah. probably thought yeah well it wasn't so bad but uh that has been the hardest thing, I guess, is to sort of package the course up and present it in a way that students got value out of. I'm a strong believer, and I say this in the course, that technology at its best helps people become a fuller expression of their human potential. Now, all of us have much more potential than we currently have achieved. <laughs> I don't mean to offend anybody <laughs> by saying that, but we, you know, we have tremendous potential. So technology at its best helps people forwards with that sort of self-actualizing um, process. Technology at its worst dehumanizes people. It makes them less human than they were because it, uh, well, for you know, it, it frustrates them and it's mm. difficult and you know it's costly. It's it creates problems yeah. of one kind or another. But uh, yeah, so that's what I see technology being is a force for good, a force that helps people be more human than they were before. And um, yeah, so it's a grand vision. It's a, <laughs> it's fairly um, altruistic, I guess, but. I think I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. It's nice to hear a positive outlook 
for yeah. this space, definitely. Especially when you talk about ethics, it's very yeah. easy to sit on the negatives. So great to see the positive. What or who helped you most in pursuing your career? Um, let's see. Well, my 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 wife Angela, uh, she uh, is a technologist too. She's a software engineer, and um, she has really good ideas and great instincts. And if I'm if I'm if I'm puzzled as to a way forward or to for an idea for something, I can usually rely on her to just <laughs> come out with it, just like that. Um, she's been my greatest help, and uh, and I hope I've been the same for her uh, in other ways. And but there have been many people, the uh, people who sponsored me in when I first came to Griffith. They've long since gone, but. Um, uh, Jeff Dromey was a great mentor. He was the founding professor of this school. Um, one of the few people I've ever known who I would call a, an actual genius, uh, I think he was. He was the most humble of people. Um, you know, he certainly didn't carry on like he was a genius. But yeah, so people like that uh, have been wonderful. It's interesting, you know, a conversation about AI and I guess the what is inherently the artificial. We're talking so much about the yeah. humans and the people that have been a part of it along the way and um, yeah, how big of a role that as people we play and I guess if you're not designing for the people, if you're not building these for the people, then what are you building it yes, for? So exactly. um, it's interesting you've got to keep that, that human there, which yeah. is um, yeah, good to see. Okay, finally, what is the number one takeaway from our conversation today? So one of the things I always say to students is think about what your ideal career is. Not, not to limit it, not what, not what you think is going to be realistic or what mum and dad might say, oh yes, that's a realistic thing, but it could be so blue sky that most people would say, oh yeah, right, you're really going to do that, <laughs> aren't you? Well, don't tell them because there's always these naysayers and they, they torpedo great ideas. So nurture that that great idea that you've got and nurture it to the point where you can see your way clear to actually achieving it. Because if you can imagine it, if you can see it, then it is achievable. It may take a lot of work, but it's achievable. Yeah, that's very inspiring. Thank it's, you. Um, it's nice to yeah go in with some confidence, give it a go. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? You're back where you started. Well, thank you so much, David, for having a conversation well, with thank me you. today. Thank you very much. It's it's always fun talking about these things. <laughs> I really you know I feel very passionate about it, and yeah. that's the message I give to all of my students in one form or another. But I'm grateful that uh, I've had the opportunity to do that today. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Conversation Bites. If you enjoyed this, please share it around and we'd love to get your feedback. Who should we interview next? And do you have any burning questions? Let us know through the link in the description.